Hey there, welcome to this bonus episode of Rethinking Wellness. I'm Christy, and today we're back with more from author and science communicator Timothy Caulfield, who returns to discuss what to do if your healthcare provider seems to be under the influence of gut hype, how journalists and health professionals can report on and advise people about gut health in a responsible way, how his research on gut hype changed his own eating and health behaviors, and more. This is a free preview of a longer episode for paid subscribers. To hear the full episode, subscribe at rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. And now, without any further ado, here's my bonus interview with Timothy Caulfield. So, Tim, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming for this bonus episode. Thank you. I know there are quite a few journalists and dietitians and other clinicians in my audience. And so I'm curious for anyone in those fields, if you have any tips on how to report on or advise people about gut health, maybe on other, you know, science in general in a responsible way. We talked a little bit about that in the main episode. And, you know, you mentioned that there are some tools and, and ways that people can communicate science, you know accurately and responsibly and not fall prey to hype. So I'm just curious if you can share some of those. You know, the first one is a sort of big picture one. Recognize that the there is hype there. <laughs> it's kind of an obvious recommendation, but, you know, our, our, our knowledge translation ecosystem is just filled with incentives that create hype. And I'm just talking about in the university system, right? In in with respect to our research environment, uh, I'm not even talking about social media and marketing. So just just recognize that there there's hype there. The second thing is look at the study. Look at the study. You know, was it a big study? Was it an animal study? What were the limitations of the study? What are the realistic applications of the study? You know, that just doing those two things, doing those two things, I think you can make a real difference. And the last thing I would suggest is wherever possible, use a weight of evidence approach. Uh, in other words, don't don't represent something at one study as being, you know, conclusive. Always put that study in the context of of where the research more broadly uh, sits. That's so tricky in this day and age, right, with the commercial pressures, as you talked about in the main episode, like wanting to make something exciting, needing to sell papers or get eyeballs on a story or whatever it is. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on like the larger media ecosystem and how that needs to change maybe to sort of support better reporting on science. You know, I do. I, I actually think we're in the middle of a knowledge creation crisis. You know, I, there, there's this decrease in trust in science, decrease in trust in, in journalism and the media more broadly. We're seeing the rise of, the, of social media influencers who are kind of filling, filling that void. And by the way, creating more distrust in those, those institutions. And I think the bedrock, the bedrock of our fight against the spread of misinformation and twisted science is the creation of trustworthy science and trustworthy translation of science. And so I, I think that it starts obviously with the research institutions, but those knowledge translators out there, whether it's a clinician or, or, or a journalist or, or someone who's on social media, play such an important role in making the science accurate, but also, also engaging. So we need those voices out there representing science as accurately as possible. 
Going back to gut health a little bit, what do you think people should do if they encounter a healthcare provider who seems to be under the influence of this gut hype and, and is pushing gut health protocols or pushing, you know, probiotics for things that they aren't necessarily indicated for and things like that? That's a tough question because, you know, I don't I always tell people to listen to their science-informed clinicians. But unfortunately, there are a lot of providers out there, some of them in the alternative field, especially, I think who are, are pushing unproven therapies, you are perfectly within your right to push back and ask your provider about the evidence that supports their claims about gut health. You know, are they speculating? What does the evidence really say? In fact, I think it's not done enough. You know, part of the informed consent process is knowing what the science actually says, right? And, you know, the consent process is supposed to be science-informed. So you can be part of that process by nudging even just a little bit to find out what the science actually says. I think that's so tricky for people because we're conditioned to think of providers as authority figures, right? Like providers aren't necessarily gods in most people's minds, but they're maybe something close or they're like an authority figure that we don't want to talk back to. And I think some providers do sort of fan the flames of that because they can sound annoyed or be dismissive or curt if you question them. And so there's this kind of two-way dynamic happening where people sort of go more into their shells and don't want to ask providers questions. So if you've encountered providers like that or maybe had an experience with providers in the past who were like that, how would you advise people to kind of overcome that and start to get more comfortable having those sorts of pushback kind of conversations. You've been listening to a free preview of this episode. To hear the rest and get tons more bonus content, become a paid subscriber by going to rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening.